The title of my message today is Seven Ways to Love Difficult People in Your Life. Can't wait for that one, huh? Huh? Pill form, yes. You swallow, it's a hard pill to swallow. But I was thinking, no one, no one has this, so no one would be able to relate to difficult people in their life. So, um, so how do you deal with difficult people? Well, take a nap, yeah. <laughs> take a nap, see you later, move out, <laughs> you know. Ignore them, they'll go away, you know. But difficult people, whether you know it or not, they are everywhere. <laughs> they're in the neighborhood, they're in the workplace, they're in the school, they're even in the grocery line at the store. <laughs> and while it's natural to want to avoid these people, <laughs> it can be very difficult. They just seem to pop up everywhere. The challenge then becomes, how can you and I impact their heart? You know, and this is really difficult because when we think of people, we want to avoid them. <laughs> you know, stay away from them. They are just individuals who can't live with themselves and they can't live with anybody else and just let them be happy in their own little world. But God doesn't say that. And uh, by the end of this, I didn't pass out fruit to throw at me during the sermon. So, uh, you, you know, if you didn't bring it, you, you don't have it. So, uh, the challenge is, how can we impact their heart and also bring joy to our own hearts oh. in the midst of difficult people? And to love, difficult, to love uh, we are to love the difficult people right out of them. We're to love that difficulty right out of them. That is one hard thing to do. Well, before I sabotage my sermon by telling how difficult it is, <laughs> we believe uh, Satan works overtime to divide anything that is united. So it isn't necessarily, well, it can just be anything and anybody, but Satan can use impact, influence, you know, lead astray, whatever, to somehow create um, friction, splitting, chasms, difficulties. So why would the enemy of our soul and the enemy of Christ's church care if we are at odds with someone? <laughs> and why would he care if we're even at odds with other believers? They're still going to heaven, so what's the matter? Why do we have to care about that? Well, Jesus said um, <laughs> that his followers would be known by their love. Now, so what the challenge, again, the challenge is how we are going to be receptive to God's love because by now we know you can't do it on your own. <laughs> we can't love these challenging people on our own. It's got to be God, and how, does he, and how does he work through us? Paul told the church at Philippi uh, in chapter 2, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility considering one another as more important than yourself. So when Paul is writing this, I mean, he's had a lot of experience with irritating people. 
and for people who he just, he just can't get along with because they've been very difficult. They try to kill him. They sabotage his ministry. They sabotage anything they can about him. So how does Paul then learn to live with these people and learn to handle them in such a, a way that doesn't fragment his ministry? Well, don't give in. Don't fall for the schemes of the enemy who, can, who constantly tries to sow dissension among and within believers. And don't succumb to the temptation to be carnal, self-serving when it comes to getting along with others. We'll just give them some of their own medicine. <laughs> no. <laughs> you see, I've never had this difficulty, so I'm, I've, I'm coming from totally up, up a position of not knowing what this is about. That's a joke. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I won't repeat what was said, you know. It's just, you could just laugh. All right, that's good. So, of the seven ways to love difficult people, number one, see difficult people as God's refining work in your life. Uh-oh. As Proverbs 27, 17, as iron, sharpen, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You see, some of us are too dull. <laughs> and God wants to hone up that edge a little bit. We look at that verse and mean Christian fellowship makes us strong, but we think, it, we think about it and that God can refine and sharpen us when we are around people who are difficult because it makes us rely on God to sift out our own attitudes soften our hearts and make us people who need an extra measure of his spirit you see this isn't something that we are able to do on our own <laughs> you know loving and caring for some people is a god thing <laughs> that god is the only one who's going to reach out those hardened individuals and we don't know and you know the challenging thing in all of this is what makes them so hard? What are they so upset about? What is it makes them brash and, you know, put up the wall and all that kind of stuff? Sometimes people, I don't even think some people know why they're angry or bitter. they just always been angry or bitter. And, you know, I, I was on the farm. We'd have some of these guys, these other farmers that would come by. And I mean, they could curse a blue streak. They didn't know one word, one syllable that wasn't connected to a curse word. You know, and, and, they were, and they were angry people. Um, and I don't know why, you know. <laughs> we all have to work. We all have to do things, you know, cows and machinery and harvest and planting and all that stuff. But they, they just had nothing but themselves and nothing, there was no one to vent on. So you can imagine, you know, that's how I learned to sing, was on the tractor harmonizing with a diesel engine. So people... People complain to the diesel engine sound, and you know what? They don't think they get anywhere. <laughs> so when they're with somebody, they're going to tell them off. Well, remember what Jesus said, I came to seek and to save those who were lost. So the commission that we are trying, the mandate that we are receiving from God is, number one, we can't do it on our own. Number two, God is the one who is asking us, mandating us to do this. Matthew, 20, Matthew 18, 12 
The good shepherd leaves behind his 99 lambs in order to search for the one that is lost. And, you know, it's not hard to pick out that lost sheep. <laughs> Matthew 28, 19, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we're never alone in this whole process. And so God can make you and me more like Jesus around difficult people. I never thought of being more like Jesus around difficult people. <laughs> but it is true. We need to be more like. And so it isn't, now again, this isn't a guilt thing. <laughs> it, you know, you're going to guilt you into doing these types of things. No, it's not about guilt. It's about being led. It's about allowing the Spirit. We remember that God is bigger than we think. So in each one of these little areas, I, I put a thing in there we're supposed to remember, except one of them. But this one is, remember God is bigger than we think. We know God is big. We know God is powerful and amazing. But I honestly think we've put God in a box and we think this is how God has to answer my prayer to reach this individual. <laughs> so, as if we think we understand God, if we have them all figured out. You see, God had this in mind, I think, whenever he told Isaiah, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than yours. So God has a way of giving to us thoughts and plans and schemes. No, not schemes. Thoughts and plans and ideas that are things we haven't even thought of. Second way to love difficult people, pray for those you'd rather avoid. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Pray for those you'd rather avoid. Amen. Thank you. Yes, you, you're all in agreement. When you pray for someone, God changes our hearts towards them. And as a result of our prayers, sometimes, sometimes God really changes the other person. He softens their hearts, makes them less difficult to be around. But often, <laughs> he changes us and how we perceive them and how we perceive ourselves and how we perceive how we're supposed to interact and be with them. Doesn't mean asking God to deal with them. You see, the call to offer up your difficult people to God in prayer doesn't mean I'm asking God to deal with them. It means to ask God to bless them, to bring them joy to cause them to want to extend kindness towards others. We're not going to pray that prayer because we know they're never going to do it. <laughs> God can't reach them. But you see, that's the whole point, that God is bigger than we think and God is capable of doing things that we can't. So we sometimes, you know, for years I wrote off my brother, my, bro my, my one brother who, who died with cancer at the age of 42, um, he was, before he got cancer, he was just, you didn't want to be around him. 
Because if you said it was black, he said it was gray. If you said it was white, no, it's gray. If you said it was gray, it was black or white. You know, you, he would not agree with you. Even if you were right and he knew you were right, he would not agree with you because he had to debate it. And he had no time for God. <laughs> Don't try and trick me into that religious stuff again, you know leading him to Christ, forgive. Don't try that on me. I've been there and I don't need that. <laughs> well, he got cancer <laughs> and uh, he almost died um, immediately when they found him, found it in him. And you know what? Cancer was the best thing that ever happened to him. It was the best years of his life because he recovered from it. He was on a continuous influ infusion of chemotherapy for like three years. He had a pump he wore it all the time, and he was like two days off a month. And the doctor said he's the only man he knew who could gain weight on chemotherapy. <laughs> so that was my brother. But he became active in the church. He spent time with the kids. I mean, he was, he was a changed man. But, you know, all of that went into this, you know, you couldn't deal with, you couldn't talk to him about anything, uh, you know, especially religion or about faith because he had all the answers. Well, the people you pray for, <laughs> they pray for those you'd often uh, rather avoid. So, it is asking God to bless them, to bring them joy, to cause them to find what they've been lacking or seemingly hiding from. It also means to ask God to reveal to you some tangible ways that you can show love toward them. No strings attached, just Throw love out there and see where it goes. No expectation. I mean, in the sense, I'm not giving this, okay, I'm waiting for a response. You know, no. This is to you and I walk away. You know, some people you just have to give it and walk away because you don't want to talk to them about it. All right. John, 1 John 5, 14, 15 says, This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked for. Hmm. We know that we have the request that we ask for. So we find that um, we read in Scripture that trials make us more like Jesus. So the remembering statement is here, trials are good for me. I'm going to sign you up after church for more trials. Uh, the sign-up sheet is in the back. <laughs> no one will sign up, okay? Because we're not going to sign up for trials. But see, show then how, uh, show to, sh I can't even read, see? So how then... <laughs> Would the depths of our soul be exposed to us to reveal who we really are before God? So what is it that causes us to kind of open up and look inside? Most often it's the trials that bring us to the point where what we were thinking and planning and doing is, is it's really not working, and it's where is it coming from on the inside? The third, heap some love on their heads. That one. Uh, it really means uh, heap burning coals on their heads. Romans chapter 12, verse 20. 
He heaps of burning coals on their head. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Yeah. Just burn right through that hair. <laughs> Sounds peculiar to loving your neighbor. But in reality, what it means is heaping burning coals. Um, the Message Bible reads it this way. Our scripture tells us that if you see your enemy, the difficult person in your life, hungry, go buy that person, go buy that person lunch. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. What, we are, what it is inferring here is as we do the good, people don't like it because it makes them feel guilty. <laughs> it convicts them of an evil conduct. It is, it is a way that they feel that, uh, you know, don't do this for me again <laughs> because I don't want to feel that conviction that I have to do good. And I'm not a do-gooder. <laughs> Did you get that? Not a do-gooder. So they don't like it because we are doing good, and so our, our natural response is, all right, have it your way. I won't do good on you. But you see, we are looking for God to help us in this whole thing. So they may not return the kindness, but God will convict their hearts and protect your heart from becoming bitter. So we're praying not only for them, but we are... We're looking at this when Paul says in the Sunday school lesson before they had talked about the blood of all the people in this area and he's saying goodbye to Ephesus and he's going to Jerusalem for for Pentecost and he knows that he's going to be bound and and the people he tells the people that he's with you're not going to see my face again and so they weep in that together and pray together but he tells them I am not guilty of the blood of anyone here. It is that I have not refused to tell them the message and to give them the message. Not how that they responded to it, but he is free because he has given them the message. So, the fourth. Ask God to show you the similarities. This one you're going to love. Okay, This one is one of those that I just know that people will just write in and tell me how wonderful this one is. Show, allow, ask God to show you the similarities between that person and yourself. <laughs> the similarities between you and that person. <laughs> um, I'm not a gossip. <laughs> I'm not hard-headed. I'm not a snob. I'm not a bully. I'm open to new ideas. I'm not a know-and-all. Do you have any other terms of endearment that you would like to throw out at this time? <laughs> I don't complain, you know. I don't wear my emotions on my sleeve. What are you talking about? <laughs> so here is a question we can ask ourselves as we look in the mirror. How great are the chances the person I believe is difficult might be thinking that same thing of me that I'm the difficult one. Imagine them praying for us. <laughs> I sure wish they would be better off at this, you know. 
Or maybe that person really is difficulty, difficult. But so am I to see someone else. Uh, but so am I to someone else. There we go. So am I to someone else. Somebody else. I mean, there are some people that think I'm difficult. I don't understand it. Because I know I'm not. <laughs> but I didn't hear that one. Oh, I, I don't want to hear it. I, 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 it will make me mad and I'll have to pray for them. You know? <laughs> you know, the, the people that make sly comments underneath their breath, you know? I didn't say nothing. All right. <laughs> I'm not saying anything about this. But it's, it's a topic that I know other people need. And, you know, I'm kidding. That's a joke, you know. We all need it, and even I might need some. But just like, <laughs> that's the, no, we all need it. But, um, so someone else may think that we're <laughs> clueless, and they are praying that God would somehow help us. So, so when we pray, show me, God, what you want me to learn from this person's actions. And it's, it's, it's not that, we're, you know, you ha we have to move away from the idea, it's all my fault. You know, we're the, we're, we're not making ourselves the scapegoat, the, the, the beating, the, the, punching the punching bag, you know. We're not making ourselves the doormat. That's not what this is. That's not what this is. This is about objectively looking at how that we are involved in our own life and the life of those around us, and God has us there for a purpose, and we just simply aren't that perfect yet. <laughs> and so perfection will come whenever we get to heaven. Until then, we have people to deal with, and some people we don't like. I'll move on. <laughs> yeah, some people just don't like me, you know? I don't, again, don't understand it. But the fifth one, ask God to give you the eyes and the heart of that person. So how do they see it? How do they understand the situation? There's an old saying that you shouldn't judge a person until you walk a mile in their shoes. But a better way of saying that, everyone has a story. And we don't know it until we ask. And that is a tenuous <laughs> precipice place when we ask someone, well, what is your story? What is it that really hurts you so much? Well, it, you don't want to do that when you have no time to spend. <laughs> and you don't want to say, well, well, hold that thought till next week. I'll be right with you. <laughs> no, if you're going to ask the question, you've got to have time to spend and listen to the story without an answer. You see, we are not the answer person. God is. And they have not asked us a question. They've just told us the story. That is, that is a key, you know, and when I um, counseled a lot, the, the people always had a story, and they had things that they wanted to say. But if you interrupted them, the story went the other way. You know, like that Plinko game, you know, you put the ball up there, and it bounces back and forth and until it reaches the bottom. Well, every time you ask a question, it's like the story hits a, hits a peg, and it bounces a different direction. 
And so let their story find its way to their conclusion, not one that's been interrupted by us with giving them answers. You know, and like the lady said, if you don't like my apples, don't shake my tree. She was very personable. <laughs> she would tell you what she thought, and she didn't want to hear what you thought. <laughs> Just the way it was. But you see, the, we, we have, people have a story. We have a story. And sometimes our story gets confused and intertangled, intertangled with events and emotions and people. And, oh well. The grumpy old man may complain because he has a lot of physical pain and doesn't know how else to express it. Or the woman who is critical <laughs> may have been betrayed and doesn't trust anyone and is still dealing with the deep emotional pain. People have a lot of things that they hide, and so do we. But the challenge is that we remember I need to look to God in spite of what people look like. And I need to look to God in spite of other Christians. Because sometimes Christians can be blinded by their own pride. I, sometimes I, I get upset with people who they have this air of, I belong to the best church. And I am better than all the rest because I am the pastor of the best church. And these are the best staff because they are part of the best church. And little people like you need our help. You know, I almost punched the guy. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, you arrogant fool. You know, how can you be so arrogant and full of pride and think that you're being humble? You know, it, and people are like that. And if, and if we think of people and they present that air, they got a problem. I don't have a problem. And in our life, we, are, we have people who want to have all of the answers. <laughs> but we need God in spite of what people look and what they present. Number six, practice the simple act of love toward those who need it most. <laughs> this is a little story. It says, um, um, if Ashley has a problem with Karen and and Jerry has a problem with Karen, and the children at church have a problem with Karen, Karen is the problem. <laughs> but, and Karen is not making it easy for anybody else to be their friend. So when we determine to love Karen in spite of herself, in spite of what she does, in spite of what she says, in spite of the cold, prickly feelings we get every time we're around her, you just might cracker ice exterior when you allow your heart to touch her heart and love her. You see, there's a number of ways to show an act of love. You can start by greeting them and saying hello. You can walk with them. You can offer to do something for them. Ask how you can pr pray for them. Um, a, a handwritten note telling them that you appreciate what they've done. Ask them about their loved ones. You see, there are many things that we can do to break the ice of what they consider us and we consider them and so we end up being separated but the challenge is what is it that we need to do to love one another and make sure that we're not the ones in the shell remember we have a warped view of Christianity <laughs> and what I mean by that is we're, an Ameri we're Americans <laughs> 
you know, God blesses us. We are wealthy, wise. Our theology and our beliefs say everything we need and have is before us. We've got TV preachers. We've got radio preachers. We've got books. We've got international evangelists. We've got everything you can, every size, shape of doctrine and belief in the planet. We have it here. But yet we find that many people are apathetic towards their relationship with God. We would do well to take a page from the book of people around the world, the Chinese. Um, they're underground where they have to hide the pages of the Bible or the Christian and Muslim countries are murdered for their faith. And we find how crazy it is that Christianity flourishes in these countries and in these environments. I'm thankful for our freedom, but I, I'm, you know, for us to be able to be aware that people really do suffer to show up in a place that would be called to worship. John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that you may, that in me you may have peace. I've told you these things so that you might be at peace. See, all of this change that goes on in our life isn't about turmoil and it isn't about, you know, um, manipulation. It's about peace. Peace. The peace of God that passes all understanding. So I am at peace when others may be in conflict. And so if I'm at peace, I don't enter into the conflict. You know, I don't put gasoline on the fire. <laughs> um, one of the things, num number seven, is tag team the difficult person with a friend. <laughs> tag team with them, you know, gang up on them. No, <laughs> I, I read that and I go, ah, yeah, get it. We'll gang up on them. We'll teach them a lesson, you know. But the idea is that we don't become defeated in our efforts and that we consciously look at what we're doing, how we're doing it, and is it selfish or is it pushy? Or so being able to review and look at things and allow people to um, have input into our lives and that we can actually look at how we are approaching these difficult people. It's important to align our hearts and thoughts with God so we can not only know how to handle a difficult person, but also make sure you are not being a difficult person. <laughs> Remember, God answers prayer, but his answers to our prayers are not what I expect them to be. I'm, I'm sure that each of us can say, I can tell you how many unanswered prayers that I have prayed. I've prayed and things just haven't answered, haven't done well. Or, guess what? Every prayer I prayed was answered. I was looking for a different answer. I just didn't look the way I expected. The answer did not look the way I expected it. You know, and, and so when we, we have an image of what we think things should be. And we need to look at that image, and, it, you know, it's all right to have, you know, a goal and process, but in the same time, we need to allow God to give us, you know, how he is he going to work in that person's life, and it's going to be totally different than the way he worked in ours. And so let's go back to the beginning when I said that we put God in a box. The box says God must do it this way or my way. 
This is how it's supposed to and God is supposed to answer my prayers. This is what's supposed to happen in their life. And in reality, when the answered prayer does not look like what we expected, we somehow think that God didn't answer us. But we find that what God wants to do is, can be totally different than what we want done. And the process of where God is going in a person's life may be exactly where we have envisioned them to be. But the beginning's place here is not what we thought to our answered prayer. So don't give up. Get so close to the Father that we can feel his heart and his love for people, especially those who are prickly and bitter and angry. Allow them to feel the love of God and don't get upset when they feel burning coals on their head because they don't feel good about the consciousness of God and they, feel they want to resist it and we're thinking it's not working and in reality they're being convicted in their own hearts. So never give up on what God has placed in our lives. Let God pull you close in the midst of your trials. Let God become close to God in the midst of what you are facing. He can change you and I from the inside out because we're not afraid to face God. We're not afraid to allow God to look inside because that's who we are. We're people of the heart. And we allow the Spirit to speak to our heart through his word. We're not above change. We are part of the change that's going to take place in our world. We're part of the, the growing into the body of Christ and becoming part of what God wants to do. So nothing can, nothing can compare to the intimate relationship that we have with the Father. Jesus said to us, when you pray, I want you to know, Jesus says this to us, our Father. Our Father. Jesus is telling that he is our Father. The closeness that we find with God is so personal, we feel it as if he is my Father. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. So we see difficult people as God's refining work in our life. Pray for those you would rather avoid. Heap some love on their head. <laughs> Ask God to show you the similarities between that person and yourself. Ask God to give you his eyes and his heart for that person. Practice simple acts of love to those who need it most. Tag team the difficult person. Talk about what's going on with someone else and just see how it is able to look, to do, to process what's going on. For you see, <laughs> it's all about Jesus and him working in our life to touch the lives of others. Amen? Amen? Okay, I was just waiting. <laughs> Father, indeed, we are grateful that you love us 
And there's so many ways that you express your love to us. And Lord, it is never by manipulation, but it's by leading. It's by your Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts and minds and taking the word and just applying it to us in just an oh-so-little different way. We ask you to guide us, bless us, that we might be blessings. We pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen? You know, um, we're still on, right? All right. I was thinking of an illustration, one more illustration. Um, one, of our, one, of our, one of our lucky members flew to Hawaii this week, you know? <laughs> well, I was thinking of, uh, when I did mission, I did it three years, three different years, I went to South Africa and Harare, Zimbabwe, and left from um, New York and left from Washington, D.C. a couple times. But anyhow, if the plane was off a, a, a fraction of a degree, it could miss the whole continent of Africa in all of that distance. When you change a little bit in your life, you can change the destiny by thousands of miles because we're in this for a lifetime. And the little changes we make make a great difference the further we make, the further on we go from those changes. So always remember, little things matter. And, and, and it's not about doing superhuman things. It's about allowing God to help us do the little things that are important. And don't look for the results in the little bit. Allow it to work its way out in the long run. God will make a big difference. Amen? I'm done.